so the, the three that will go through are and I like I really like that's really good. Welcome in to Washington Training Camp Live. Craig Hoffman with you uh, from a different place. If those of you watching on the Odyssey app are like, wow, that's that's another different background uh, at my parents' place in South Carolina. A little R&R, but happy to hop on for a quick 30. Be joined by Chris Russell for the latter half of it to talk about Washington football. And there's kind of two simultaneous storylines that are happening here as the team just put out the latest edition of Making the Brand, of which you just heard a clip. You can check out the full episode on YouTube, uh, on the Washington Football YouTube page. Uh, The team over there, um, not just like the football team that's in the organization, but their video team, their media team does a tremendous job. And it's giving fans a cool insight uh, of of the process of how they're going to arrive on a new name and a new brand. And uh, apparently they're down to three. Um, something that's worth pointing out, Nikki Javlo of the Washington Post pointed this out on Twitter I just saw a few minutes ago, is that these episodes, of course, are behind uh, what the actual rebrand is. This was filmed about a month ago, so you anticipate as they continue to go. Um, you, you might get some news that leaks out, uh, and then you circle back around and you get to see how it happened uh, in these kind of making the making the brand episodes. So uh, it's been very cool to, to watch those. And what you just heard was a clip of Jason Wright, the team president, presenting Ron Rivera, who you'll hear plenty more from about the on-the-field stuff in just a few moments. Uh, but presenting Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew, the GM, with new names. And they are down to three. Um, it seems like Red Wolves is still in there. I have no idea what the other ones were. It's funny because they they blurred everything out. Uh, obviously, like all the papers and the presentations that they were talking about, as you heard, uh, they bleeped it out and they kind of blurred out Jason and Ron's mouths too to make sure that you couldn't really read lips. So you're you're stuck going like, well, how long's that beep? How many how many different syllables is this? We we play it again. So the the three that will go through are, and I like, I really like. That's really good. So you're like, how long is that beep? How many syllables is that? Can we figure out what it is? Uh, and before we move off of this real quick, this this clip was hilarious from inside that uh, that feature and goes along with Red Wolves. There's a, w- at least one fan who does not like that name, especially if it's going to involve a lot of howling in the stadium. And that fan is very young. Wolves, that's what we are. <laughs> Can't do Red Wolves. It made a baby cry. That those are the rules. I don't make the rules, but it seems like if a baby's gonna cry, that's that's not a good one. All right, on to football things. And again, Chris Russell is gonna join us in about 10 minutes here on Washington Training Camp Live. We are live streaming on the Odyssey app Mondays and Fridays, and we of course are available on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Um, no tears being shed by Ron Rivera on the kicking front. And I think this has been an interesting storyline to watch because it is so easy to be reactionary with kickers. And Dustin Hopkins was pretty good last year, but certainly had his moments. Uh, and and just sometimes Dustin's splits get real funky too, where it's like, 
less than 40 yards, he's less reliable than over 50. And that's supposed to be the other way around. If a guy's missing 50 plus yarders, you're like, ah, well, those are hard kicks. Guys missing 40 and under, it's like you can't be throwing away points. But at the end of the day, if you look at the average and it evens out and he, he makes roughly the same amount that he's supposed to, then he's probably worth keeping. And especially, as I mentioned on the podcast on Friday with Grant, uh, Hopkins is a touchback machine. So there's a reliability to him in the kicking game that you're not going to give up a big return because he's going to kick it through the end zone that isn't always going to be there with maybe even a more reliable field goal kicker from shorter distances because they might not have the leg strength, the leg strength that Hop has. And what I appreciate about Ron Rivera, um, as you'll hear a second in this answer, is that he is taking a analytical look at this. He's actually being smart and listening to a special team coach, listening to his kicker, and realizes that they changed something for Dustin Hopkins. They changed the timing that he was used to for the last three or maybe even at this point, four years with the Washington football team. He had the same snapper in Nick Sunberg, and he had the same holder in Tress Way. Well, Tress hadn't gone anywhere, uh, so getting it down uh, is, is not that hard, but you have the timing a little bit different with a harder snapper uh, and the new guy that they brought in. And so they're using this time to adjust. Obviously this was their first game scenario and he missed a couple. Now, if he continues to miss into the regular season, then it's like, Hey, you're no longer doing your job. But for the time being, the understanding that Rivera is has of this situation is very frankly different than a lot of other, a lot of other head coaches that I've seen around the league over the years. A lot of head coaches are just like, the kicker should make the kick and done. And it's like, well, yeah, you wanted to make the kick, but that's not how you react when a wide receiver drops a ball or runs a wrong route or a quarterback has a bad throw. Like these are hard technical, physical tasks. And sometimes you're not going to hit it perfectly. So Ron Rivera was asked on Sunday about, uh, Dustin Hopkins and, and his job security, essentially. Well, he's our kicker. And for right now, we're going to continue to work it. We've got to continue to work on the timing and the rhythm. Um, it is going to be a little bit different. Different snapper, has a little bit more velocity and um, a little bit of a challenge. But we've got a few weeks. That's why you have training camp, to get those things right. Rivera said in an answer uh, later on in, in the same press conference, I think I might be mixing press conferences, but um, he went on to say they get about 250 reps a day and they got like 20 days left. And so by, by the end of camp, there's an issue like there'll be other kickers that get cut. There are guys that are in camps right now that are going to have good, good camps and good preseason showings, but they know they don't have a job. They're there so they can showcase what they got and not have another kicker, you know, pick your team where the, this is the case, get hurt where they know who their starting kicker is and they just have another camp body essentially so that nothing goofy happens. Other, other than that, kicker kicks in practice. You'll see him on Sundays and, and the other guy who's been kicking the preseason gets let go, but that means he's available. And so if Dustin Hopkins continues to struggle or there are practice struggles, then yeah, I don't, I don't think Rivera is just going to, be like, ah, Dustin's our guy. Hope it gets better. Um, there's too many options and the stakes are too high in the kicking game. However, uh, I, I do appreciate his patience here. And I think as a fan, it, it's important to realize how hard that job is and how the, the technical timing of it is extremely important and give Dustin Hopkins, who has been a good hit kicker, who has a great mental makeup for that job, 
a chance to get it right before you move on from a guy who's a really good kicker and has proven it over the course of years. Uh, as for the more traditional talking points of a football team, uh, everyone always loves talking about rookies. And right now, Ron Rivera loves talking about his rookies. And that's because they're playing well. Um, and we'll talk to Russell about this uh, and more. Russell was at practice today. So that's why I wanted to, to grab him and, and he'll be on about halfway through the pod. Um, but the young guys played pretty well the other night. And, and it, I get the sense that Ron Rivera has been pretty happy with their performance in practice. And, I, and again, like this is tied to the same thing I just talked about with his approach to Dustin. But Ron's patience is pretty, I don't want to say astounding, um, but it's, it's important. And, and he's displayed it not just with how he acts, where it, because sometimes I think patience with coaches outwardly can look like stubbornness, but I appreciate how Ron explains situations and it's like, yeah, this is going to happen. This is going to take time. This is exactly what we expect because if you don't have that like outward expectation, there are inward effects, right? So if, if Ron Rivera doesn't help stem the fan base, uh, with his comments, then the players are going to feel that because it's 2021 and they've got Twitter and, you know, fans will be fans. And, and I get that, like we're all emotional and, and, but it's not necessarily our job to be analytical about the game. It's my job as a, as a guy with a microphone, who's uh, specifically been given this microphone because of his experience covering teams and ability to be analytical. But if you're a fan listening like, yeah, of course you want to be analytical because you want to be like, hey, I know something about football. But you're also coming at this with a very different perspective than a guy like Ron Rivera has been around this league. So Ron is judging it based off of the growth curve versus fans who are like, hey, the game was Friday. How'd you play on Friday? Uh, and so Ron asked about uh, Jamin Davis and how he handled things in his first pro experience. This is what Ron said after the game the other night in New England. Well, just the feel and the experience of, of getting out there on the football field more so than anything else. Um, you know, we put him in a couple of leadership roles when we were in our base defense early on. We rotated him out early um, and, and had him with the second subgroup. And, uh, you know, we, we, we tried to stress him. Um, we had him play a few extra plays, especially in the, the second quarter, and thought he handled it very well. I love that terminology from Ron. We tried to stress him, tried to see how he'd react. And we tried because at the end of the day, that's how you grow is you, you're, you undergo stress, you adapt to it, you understand how to handle it, and you grow. And so not just the physical speed of the game, which for a freakish type athlete like Davis is probably going to be a little less daunting. It's not like he's going to get out. Like he can't get out there and outrun guys because it's the NFL, um, but he's still going to be on the higher end of speed, which is going to give him a little bit more chance uh, to make up for mistakes. But at the same time, uh, the mental processing speed is is my biggest question with him, not because I don't think he's a smart guy, not because I don't think he's capable, just because he hasn't done it a whole lot. And there is a, something to having those repetitions, having undergone that stress, that Jamin Davis is a guy who played uh, almost no start or didn't play starting linebacker uh, reps until his final season at Kentucky. And even then was running a college defense is not going to have. He hasn't undergone that stress. And so making sure he gets those reps, seeing how he can handle it, will help Ron Rivera determine what role he can give Jamin Davis in 2021 
And while he obviously continues to train to be a starting linebacker in the middle of this defense for what Ron Rivera, I'm sure, hopes is the next half decade or even decade in Washington. As for the other young guys, starting with Sam Cosme, they also showed themselves pretty well the other night per Ron Rivera. Really like what we got from Sam. Uh, Sam needs to play, and that's the truth of the matter, and and so does Jamin. Uh, so does Ben Juiced. I mean, that's why those guys played a little extended into the second quarter. Uh, very pleased with what we saw from those guys. Um, you know, I thought when John Bates got his opportunity, I thought he did a nice job um, and did some really good things, as did Sam Reyes. I mean, there was a lot of positives, a lot of things that we're going to grow on and get better with. They did that on purpose to try to see how he reacted. Uh, you try to get him some snaps against the ones. New England did play some of their guys uh, out on the edge. And obviously, look, Cosme's getting it as good as he's going to get it in a practice setting in the entire league because he gets to go against Sweat and Young every single day. Hey, line up. Okay, it's Montez Sweat. Ready, set, go. Good luck. All right, next rep. Hey, it's Chase Young. Good luck. Um, so it is what it is on that front in terms of Cosme getting getting those practice reps, but how do you really handle it in an 11-man situation with a different scheme, with personnel that you don't know because you're not going against them every day? And so they did a good job of getting those extra reps for Cosme and uh, some of the other guys, too, that, that these younger guys that they're going to rely on. Um, and, and I think that's an important part in all of this is there's just positions on this team where they don't have the depth to do anything other than rely on guys who haven't played any NFL games yet. And that's also kind of the nature of the league. There are no successful teams that don't have some meaningful contribution from a rookie. It doesn't have to be a starting quarterback or a elite skill playmaker, or even like a, you know, chase young last year. It doesn't have to be like the star, but somewhere on your team because of how the salary cap works and because of how rookie contracts work, you're just going to have to have guys that contribute. You're going to have to have guys that maybe not star, but play a starting role, eat up a lot of snaps, are part of a linebacker rotation, or part of a safety rotation, or part of a, a running back rotation uh, that come in as your fourth wide receiver and, and block. Like there's just going to have to be some sense of contribution not some sense but some some huge contribution from rookies and young players i mean we talk about the depth at defensive end on this team it's not going to be coming from rookies but you are going to get it from uh second year guys potentially so th there's gonna have to be that value that comes from players who are on rookie contracts and that's uh, that's a part of the NFL. And with that, right on time, uh, we bring in Chris Russell live on the flight. Chris, we're doing it again. We're rolling down the freeway at 60 miles an hour. And uh, I need you to just hop on in. How you doing, man? Just changing lines like a good fourth liner that I am in hockey, huh? Yeah, I, I would not put you on a fourth line. You know, occasionally, occasionally you are capable of I mean, doing behavior, but that's that's a different story. <laughs> well, listen, if you want to make me a top nine forward, I'll take that. That's that's the guys that get paid. So, yeah, yeah, uh, we don't. I'm good, man. We don't need to go down the who gets paid track uh, as we sit here doing the, the streaming podcast. <laughs> but 
I've gone through some of the the sound from Ron over the past couple of days uh, to start the pod. We, you know, we talked about obviously some of the mm-hmm. the news with the rebrand, but I wanted to get into some of the transaction stuff that came out and, and obviously what you saw from practice today. Uh, the team has gone ahead and cut two players, and one of them is is kind of notable. I I think Kelvin Harmon's a good football player, and I also don't fault them at all for moving on from him. Were you at all surprised by this? Uh, and, and where do you think? the wide receiver and we talked about this a week ago, but obviously there's been change, but like, where do you think the, think the wide receiver depth stacks up as of now through one preseason game? Yeah, not surprised at all. Maybe surprised that it was this early, um, but not surprised really at all. Big picture. And I think there will be other quote unquote popular names or, or guys that fans have, have drawn a liking to and have seen make some plays here and there. Uh, that will still get cut, right? That's the byproduct of finally having depth at that position, Craig, as you know. Uh, and, you know, not only depth, but talented depth. Um, to me, the the wide receiver position has been set all along in terms of the top five guys all offseason. I haven't changed. I don't know if anybody else has, but I haven't changed from McLaurin uh, to um, Samuel. Uh, Curtis Samuel, obviously, to Adam Humphreys, to um, uh, Deami Brown, and then um, Cam Sims as your top five, one through five. The sixth guy has to be, in my opinion, somebody that can help you in the return game. That was not Kelvin Harmon. Uh, That's really not Antonio Gandy-Golden. You can make an argument, I suppose, that you can go seven But if you go seven there, you're going to pinch somewhere else, i.e. three quarterbacks to two, 10 offensive linemen to nine, somewhere in that range. And maybe still have to do 26 offense and 24 defense on the initial 53. So you start really pushing it. So to me, that sixth guy at receiver, and that's all I would take, has to be somebody with some returnability. And that's a DeAndre Carter, a Dax Milne. Um, Steven Sims, yes, but yeah, we spent a lot of time, uh, talking about Steven Sims on this podcast and like with the good and the bad. And, and I just yeah. seem, it just seems like the good stuff from him can be replicated elsewhere. Let me give you a chance to, to holler about your boy. Cause I, this is my first time, you know, on TV, seeing him the other night. I like Dax Milne. I think that kid can play. He's got a little pop to him. I know you've been on the Dax train for a while. Obviously, DeAndre Carter was brought in specifically, and it's always hard to compete with a guy who signed as a free agent to come in and fit a role. And they brought him in, and they've been actually, I think it sounds like from everything reporting-wise and and what Ron has said out loud, like they've been surprised at how good of a receiver he's been because they kind of brought him in to be a returner. But that seems to be shaping up into an actual battle. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, Dax Milne has surprised me uh, none um, for in, in terms of what I was expecting, um, because I know he was a very productive, you know, receiver, obviously, at BYU. It's part of the reason why, Craig, they like his his passing game coordinator and his wide receivers coach said he was so good there and he was so needed there. They couldn't run him out there at punt returner because he was so needed and such a big part of the, the passing game fabric, of course, with number two overall pick, Zach Wilson, now with the Jets. So I, I haven't been surprised by anything I've seen out of out of Dax. I mean, you know, he I think he had a drop last week in a practice that I saw, but for the most part, he catches everything, seems to run pretty crisp routes, uh, can, you know, mostly inside, can run outside. 
and I think when you look at the guy that they probably bring as a sixth guy, right? Not only does it have to be a guy with some returnability, and the one thing that I worry about in terms of Dax versus DeAndre Carter is DeAndre Carter can actually do both kick and punt return, whereas Dax, I think, has only done punt return, if memory serves me correct, at BYU, and I haven't seen him do anything here, is I I think it's important that that guy be able to play the slot position and play it well. Yes, you can have Terry. Yes, you can have um, Curtis Samuel. Obviously, your starter in the slot is Adam Humphreys, but Adam Humphreys has had an injury history. Ideally, I think in this offense, they want to play Terry and Curtis outside with the ability to kick inside, but you may need out of that sixth guy a true slot type to back up Humphreys or to be a replacement injury-wise for Humphreys as a receiver, along with the returnability. And I think both of those guys certainly fit that bill. Uh, I would be happy with either one. I don't think both make it, Milne or DeAndre Carter. I would probably lean towards Milne at this point, uh, but that's just slightly. Yeah, and you have to wonder if they think they can get Milne the practice squad and kind of keep them both. And, you know, if, if all of a sudden something happens with Humphreys, mm-hmm. they bring up Milne and, you know, he he slots right in. So th- those are always the dis- the decisions, too, of, like, you got to have good intel. Like, you have to know what everybody else in the league is thinking. You have to know if you can actually get your guy to practice squad because that is your backup. So that's, like, your immediate, we're going to bring you up and, and activate mm-hmm. you on game day. Sometimes on a Friday, you know, if a guy gets hurt in practice on Friday, like, you better have a replacement for him on that practice squad. And so, um, you know, if you can have extra and they're guys. Gonna, they're going to lose some guys, Craig. They, yeah. Craig, they're going to lose some guys that fans are going to be pissed off about, quite honestly. They are going to lose some guys. So prepare yourself, not you, prepare yourself. I'm never prepared, Chris. I'm going to be a mess. That. I'm going to be a wreck. Yeah. <laughs> who's the, who's the other guy that you think is going to be the, the guy that fans are most upset about? Well, I, I think if it's if it keeps trending the way I, I I probably expect it to, I think it's going to be Jared Patterson, uh, and and here's why. I mean, I think we all saw got a good taste of what he can do the other night, not only as a runner, but I was really impressed with him not only as a receiver, but making guys miss in space on an initial little quick juke or, I mean, I saw that, what, two or three different times. And then the comeback catch near the end of the first half inside the five-yard line showed me some good ball tracking and ability to secure the ball down along the ground, right, because it was way underthrown. Um, but, I, I, Craig, I don't see the numbers working out for him barring an injury. Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, I think Peyton Barber is still on this team because I think Peyton Barber is really good at short yardage, has slimmed down, can run tough when you need him to. But again, his main his main um, contribution is short yardage, which this team has stunk in as a running back group and as an offensive line group for years before last year. And Peyton Barber was able to help get that back on track. Now, there's other things at play, but I think I think Peyton Barber is on this team. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. If he is, that's three running backs. Do they take a fourth running back? Again, if you take a fourth running back, you certainly can't take a seventh receiver. You might have to only go nine offensive linemen. This coaching staff, I believe, really would like to take 10. And again, I don't know if they want to go 26, 24, 3, 
um, as the offensive to defensive breakdown. So again, if you're going to take a fourth running back, it's going to be at an expense of where, and, and, and that could be offensive one, or it could be quarterback, or it could be, you know, the defense in general. So that's why I think Patterson probably, probably doesn't make the initial 53 and they try and sneak him through to the practice squad. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you just hate to see a guy like, is this coaching staff risky enough to take Patterson over Barber? It's like, yeah, Barber is good to slam into the back of guys and, and make sure you get three yards when you need three yards, which is a valuable skill in the NFL. But Patterson could get 30. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, that's that's the kind of thing where you just don't know what how much risk tolerance this staff has and how much they should have. I mean, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to go. I think fans probably read that or might hear that and go like, well, it sounds like you're making a pretty compelling argument for Patterson and take a real dodo to take Barber over that. But like, I don't that that I think undersells the importance of a guy who can get you three yards on third and two at a really high percentage of the time. And that's who Peyton Barber has been throughout his career. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's a really tough call. It is not an easy call by any stretch. One other thing that you have to keep in mind is obviously pass pro. And, you know, I would say Peyton Barber obviously is more experienced and, 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 and built thicker to withstand that. I think JD McKissick struggled down the stretch last year in pass protection. Uh, You know, that's what I saw. I saw him struggle quite a bit. Um, So I, you know, unless your plan is to have Antonio Gibson in there all the time in obvious pass situations and third and whatever to pick up blitzes and, and extra pass rushers, which I don't think is a smart idea. And again, I don't think Jared Patterson is is built. I mean, even though he's got tree trunk legs, I, I you know, he, he doesn't have a tree trunk top. Right. And if he's Darren Sproles, as so many people have tried to, you know, like, could he be in there? Sure. Could he throw his hat in there? Absolutely. Do you want him getting run over by a 260-pound linebacker, you know, coming downhill? Eh, I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. Chris Thompson really had enough of doing that, and uh, it was it was not great all the time. Like, Chris was always in the right spot, but that doesn't always help you when you're, you're not mm-hmm. the biggest dude. Right. Right, but so, you, but you know how good Chris overall was was at it, but it also contributes to injuries and and your body being beat up. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm just going to apologize now instead of doing this at the end for the delay. The internet is super fun as a way to communicate uh, in 2021. Uh, so I apologize. The internet uh, where I am is not great, so I apologize that there's been some awkward clunkiness at points in this podcast. I hate when people just ignore it and pretend like it doesn't happen. It's like, yeah, I know. It's it's really fun talking over each other, but it's not Chris's fault. It's mine. So uh, I will I will put that disclaimer uh, in the middle of this here podcast, and then I will ask you, Chris Russell, before we head out of here. Uh, biggest takeaways from practice today. It seemed like there were some really nice plays made by some DBs, although it seems like the one offense looked well. And it was raining, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was having a great time. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick finished strong. I wouldn't say he was great the whole practice, but he was okay the the whole practice. But he finished really strong in a two-minute drill, hit De'Ami Brown deep over the middle on a post route to get them inside the 10-yard line-ish. Uh, and then he converted on a short third down uh, to uh, Adam Humphreys over the middle on a quick little in-cut route. And then they kind of ran a rub route like that you see often, you know, inside the red zone or with the Patriots a lot. You know, Craig, you know how many rubs and picks they run. And Adam Humphreys seems like that kind of guy. Well, that sprung Logan Thomas wide open uh, in the in the right flat that Fitzpatrick 
uh, obviously timed up well. So I thought it was a really good, strong end to him. The other quarterback, bleh. Um, Taylor Heineke wasn't as bad today as he was on Sunday. He wasn't very good, to be honest with you. He overthrew guys, a couple of interceptions, um, just very unsure of himself. Really having a hard last two days is Taylor Heineke. Kyle Allen finished off practice with an interception, overthrow uh, in the right flat to Danny Johnson. Benjamin St. Just had a one-handed, one-arm stretched out with his big, tall frame interception against Fitzpatrick, uh, which was really nice. Um Tory McTire continues to make plays. This one was an actual interception off of a batted ball by David Bada, uh, who actually himself has made a couple of splash plays in almost every practice over the last week. And also on Thursday, Daniel Wise is another defensive lineman that nobody knows about. Just an eye to keep a, a name to keep an eye on. Probably, you know, again for the practice squad that type of thing. But yeah, this defensive backfield. Makes a lot of plays. Troy Apke made a couple of plays today. So, I mean, there was a lot of good out of them. But the question, I guess, is, is it them being really good or is it the Washington quarterbacks being really not good? Yeah, uh, sometimes there are those days. Uh, sometimes there are those days. And Heineke seems like he's just not a good practice player. Like every time he gets in the game, you're like, I don't know, maybe this guy can play. Every time he practices, you're like, man, I don't want to have this guy play. I think I think there's some big legitimacy, you know, to that. But you know how I mean, I think they know that to some degree. And Ron kind of alluded to it last week. Oh, during games, we can get them out into space. And you saw them moving around and stuff last Thursday night. You don't see as much of that on in, in practice. Right. Because they're trying to develop him from the pocket, and develop everybody from the pocket. You know, so it's going to take a little bit of leap of trust. And I don't think he's in any danger of not making the team. But, I mean, am I concerned about some of the things, a lot of the things that I see in practice? Yeah. And let's remember, he's played exactly one good game in his intent, in his NFL career and, and, and part of a fourth quarter of another one. You know, I, I mean, it's not exactly like he's got the gold jacket on and ticketed for Canton just yet. You know, let, right. you know, so so I need to see him play better in practice. Right. Yeah. Some people want to say he's Kurt Warner already. And it's like, ah, right now he's still if yeah. he's Kurt Warner, he's still in the grocery store. So let's let's relax on that. All right, Chris, uh, appreciate you hopping on here. I, I know it's uh, I know it's been a busy day for you between practice and your show coming up. Make sure you listen weekdays on the team 980 to Russell and Medhurst. Uh, I'll be back Friday uh, for a podcast and then I will be on pregame. So looking forward to that. Uh, again, apologies for some of the internet snafus, but hope you still enjoyed the pod. We're here Monday and Friday, live streaming at one or on demand anytime for Washington Training Camp Live.